and may yet be overspread with the lichens of centuries to come. Others, where the lime burner still feeds his daily and night-long fire, afford points of interest to the wanderer among the hills, who seats himself on a log of wood or a fragment of marble to hold a chat with a solitary man. It is a lonesome, and when the character is inclined to thought, may be an intensely thoughtful occupation, as it proved in the case of Ethan Brand, who had mused to such strange purpose in days gone by, while the fire in this very kiln was burning. The man who now watched the fire was of a different order, and troubled himself with no thoughts save the very few that were requisite in his business. At frequent intervals he flung back the clashing weight of the iron door, and, turning his face from the insufferable glare, thrust in huge logs of oak, or stirred the immense brands with a long pole. Within the furnace were seen the curling and riotous flames, and the burning marble almost molten with the intensity of heat, while without, the reflection of the fire quivered on the dark intricacy of the surrounding forest, and showed in the foreground a bright and ruddy little picture of the hut, the spring beside its door, the athletic and cold-begrimed figure of the lime-burner, and the half-frightened child shrinking into the protection of his father's shadow. And when again the iron door was closed, then reappeared the tender light of the half-full moon, which vainly strove to trace out the indistinct shapes of the neighboring mountains. And in the upper sky there was a flitting congregation of clouds, still faintly tinged with a rosy sunset, though thus far down in the valley the sunshine had vanished long and long ago. The little boy now crept still closer to his father, as footsteps were heard ascending the hillside, and a human form thrust aside the bushes that clustered beneath the trees. Hello! Who is it? cried the lime-burner, vexed at his son's timidity, yet half infected by it. Come forward and show yourself like a man, or I'll fling this chunk of marble at your head. You offer me a rough welcome, said a gloomy voice as the unknown man drew nigh. Yet I neither claim nor desire a kinder one, even at my own fireside. To obtain a distincter view, Bartram threw open the iron door of the kiln, whence immediately issued a gush of fierce light that smote full upon the stranger's face and figure. To a careless eye, there appeared nothing very remarkable in his aspect, which was that of a man in a coarse, brown, country-made suit of clothes, tall and thin with the staff and heavy shoes of a wayfarer. As he advanced, he fixed his eyes, which were very bright, intently upon the brightness of the furnace, as if he beheld, or expected to behold, some object worthy of note within it. "'Good evening, stranger,' said the lime-burner. "'Whence come you so late in the day?' "'I come from my search.' answered the wayfarer, for at last it is finished. Drunk or crazy, muttered Bartram to himself. I shall have trouble with the fellow. The sooner I drive him away, the better. The little boy, all in a tremble, whispered to his father, and begged him to shut the door of the kiln so that there might not be so much light, for that there was something in the man's face which he was afraid to look at, yet could not look away from. And indeed, even the lime-burner's dull and torpid sense began to be impressed by an indescribable something in that thin 
rugged, thoughtful visage, with the grizzled hair hanging wildly about it, and those deeply sunken eyes which gleamed like fires within the entrance of the mysterious cavern. But as he closed the door, the stranger turned towards him and spoke in a quiet, familiar way that made Bartram feel as if he were a sane and sensible man after all. Your task draws to an end, I see, said he. This marble has already been burning three days. A few hours more will convert the stone to lime. Why, who are you? exclaimed the lime burner. You seem as well acquainted with my business as I am myself. And well I may be, said the stranger. I followed the same craft many a long year, and here, too, on this very spot. But you are a newcomer in these parts. Did you ever hear of Ethan Brand? The man that went in search of the unpardonable sin? asked Bartram with a laugh. The same, answered the stranger. He has found what he sought, and therefore he comes back again. What? Then you are Ethan Brand himself, cried the lime burner in amazement. I am a newcomer here, as you say, and they call it eighteen years since you left the foot of Greylock. But I can tell you, the good folks still talk about Ethan Brand in the village yonder, and what strange errand took him away from his lime kiln. Well, and so have you found the unpardonable sin? Even so, said the stranger calmly. If the question's a fair one, proceeded Bartram, where might it be? Ethan Brand laid his finger on his own heart. Here, replied he. And then, without mirth in his countenance, but as if moved by an involuntary recognition of the infinite absurdity of seeking throughout the world for what was the closest of all things to himself, and looking into every heart save his own for what was hidden in no other breast, he broke into a laugh of scorn. It was the same slow, heavy laugh that had almost appalled the lime-burner when it heralded the wayfarer's approach. The solitary mountainside was made dismal by it. Laughter, when out of place, mistimed, or bursting forth from a disordered state of feeling, may be the most terrible modulation of the human voice. The laughter of one asleep, even if it be a little child, the madman's laugh, the wild, screaming laugh of a born idiot, are sounds that we sometimes tremble to hear, and would always willingly forget. Poets have imagined no utterance of fiends or hobgoblins so fearfully appropriate as a laugh, and even the obtuse lime-burner felt his nerves shaken as this strange man looked inward at his own heart and burst into laughter that rolled away into the night and was indistinctly reverberated among the hills. Joe, scamper down to the tavern in the village and tell the jolly fellows there that Ethan Brand has come back and that he has found the unpardonable sin. The boy darted away on his errand, to which Ethan Brand made no objection, nor seemed hardly to notice it. 
he sat on a log of wood, looking steadfastly at the iron door of the kiln. When the child was out of sight, and his swift and light footsteps ceased to be heard treading first on the fallen leaves and then on the rocky mountain path, the lime-burner began to regret his departure. He felt that the little fellow's presence had been a barrier between his guest and himself, and that he must now deal heart to heart with a man who, on his own confession, had committed the one only crime for which heaven could afford no mercy. That crime, in its indistinct blackness, seemed to overshadow him. The lime-burner's own sins rose up within him, and made his memory riotous with a throng of evil shapes that asserted their kindred with a master's sin, whatever it might be, which it was within the scope of man's corrupted nature to conceive and cherish. They were all of one family. They went to and fro between his breast and Ethan Brand's, and carried dark greetings from one to the other. Then Bartram remembered the stories which had grown traditionary in reference to this strange man, who had come upon him like a shadow of the night, and was making himself at home in his old place, after so long absence that the dead people, dead and buried for years, would have had more right to be at home in any familiar spot than he. Ethan Brand, it was said, had conversed with Satan himself in the lurid blaze of this very kiln. The legend had been matter of mirth heretofore, but looked grisly now. According to this tale, before Ethan Brand departed on his search, he had been accustomed to evoke a fiend from the hot furnace of a lime kiln, night after night, in order to confer with him about the unpardonable sin.